Amen. Well, it really is good to be here. Good morning to all of you. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm still in transition mode from uh, enjoying the Christmas break to coming through the new year and just trying to get my legs uh, again in life and in ministry. Uh, because uh, this Christmas we did a, a road trip. Marcy and I took uh, our married kids and our grandson all the way to Saskatoon and back, so about 35 hours worth of driving and a wonderful connecting time with families in Calgary and Saskatoon, so the trip was broken up. Uh, our, our sort of, I don't know if you call it tradition or uh, uh, just what we do at Christmas is uh, play a lot of games. You guys into games? Like playing games? Yeah, I mean, we played a ton of card games this Christmas. Uh, 21, Bug Your Neighbor, Pennies, uh, Quiddler, play Skippo, you know, golf with Skippo cards, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Crokinole, my mom, she's, she turned 80 this fall, or last fall, I guess now, and she is the Crokinole queen of Saskatoon. I tell you, like, she, she is the sharpshooter. No one can touch her. It's awesome. So my mom and I played Crokinole. It was fantastic. Uh, Let's play a little game this morning. I'm still in game mode, so a little bit of word association. Are you up for it? So when I say a word, uh, you you should shout out the first thing that you think of, uh, if it's appropriate, of course. But uh, (laughs) so this is how it works, okay? So if I said uh, a word like chicken, for example, you would say a lot of variety out there. I was thinking, you know, club sandwich, you know, pair it with a little bacon. That works for me. Uh, moon, Canucks, <laughs> vacation, I love the variety in the responses, it just shows the diversity that we have here, it's awesome. What about um, hospital? Facebook. Facebook. It's a good one. Church. The associations that emerge from these words, particularly church, come from what we understand of what we believe based on all kinds of things, what we read, what our experience is, Um, many factors. Um, Associations with the church come from what we understand and believe and what we understand and believe about the church in particular in particular and what and consequently what we say about the church what we speak about it how we act is is so important. Uh, We're going through a series this January all five Sundays on belonging uh, what it means to belong to Christ a good understanding of the gospel we talked about that uh, what it means to be baptized now what it means to be part of the church. And so it's important for all of us, for, for you, for me individually, but also for us collectively, especially collectively, uh, to, under, uh, to understand uh, and believe properly about the church based on a biblical foundation because it affects not only our ability to engage and to function with each other, but it affects our ability to reach people, to reach out to people with the love of God, to help them integrate into the church. You see, the church is God's vehicle. It's a vehicle that he has chosen. It's powered. It's driven by the Holy Spirit. But he has chosen the church and designed the church to carry the message of the gospel 
the message of the good news of Jesus Christ to the entire world. This is critical, what we understand, what we believe, consequently what we say and how we act in the church. It's critical because the church is God's plan to demonstrate his love for the world. It is his plan A, and you know what? There is no plan B. This is it. So how do I fit? How do you fit into this plan? In order to know how we fit, we need to know, first of all, we need to know, we need to understand this morning what the nature of the church is and what the mission of the church is. What is this church that we're talking about and what does it do? So to do that, we're going to go to a passage of Scripture this morning in Matthew chapter 16. So if you have a Bible, please turn to Matthew 16. If you don't have a Bible, you can get one at the Welcome Center, and it's yours to keep. We want you to be in the Word, so please get a Bible uh, and open it to Matthew 16. The words will also be on the screen this morning, verses 13 through 20. The reason I chose this passage is because it's the first time the word church appears in Scripture. A bit of a challenging passage to preach, but we're going to tackle it this morning. And uh, so let's read Matthew 16, 13 through 20 together. Uh, I'll read it for you, follow along. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, he asked his students, his followers at that time, who do the people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. Father, as we just let these words uh, soak in this morning, my prayer is that what you have already said through your word would be understood as you apply it to us by your Holy Spirit. That you, Spirit of God, Lord Jesus, would come and teach us. Be our teacher today. We would be challenged truth would be revealed, we would be comforted, we would be convicted. Whatever, Lord, you want to do in the declaring of your word today, I ask that you would do it among us. Change us, Lord, change us, that we wouldn't leave this place the same, but our understanding, our beliefs would be refreshed and renewed so that we would uh, know what it, who we are and what it is we are to do as your church. So we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at the nature of the church. I want to start right in the middle of this passage, pretty much in the middle, and let's pick up the word church. Church is where I'm going to throw a little rock into a pond, and then there's going to be these little circles that go out from there. So we're going to look at some phrases and words before the word church and some after the word church. All right, but let's start in the middle. Let's start with the substance. I'm going to look at four things this morning. The substance, the structure, the strategy, and the security of the church. Substance. Uh, the word church here, as it appears in Matthew 16, is the word ecclesia. 
Ecclesia is two words that are joined together. You get this little preposition, ek. Ek, and then you've got another word, kaleo. You put them together and they, they make ecclesia. So ek means out of and to, or out from and to. It's a preposition. You've got the word kaleo, which means to call. It's a verb. So you put them together and properly, ecclesia, ek kaleo, means people called out of the world, out from the world, and to God. The outcome being the church. And I'm referring to the universal church this morning, the total body of believers of Jesus Christ, whom God calls out of the world and into his eternal kingdom through Christ. And so the confession of Peter that you are the Christ, you are the Messiah, you are the Savior of the world, you are the one who shed his blood or would shed his blood for the Peter was before Jesus died and was raised again to life and now is seated at the right hand of God. That confession of Jesus Christ automatically means that we are people who are called out of the world, from the world, and to God to follow him, to become part of his kingdom. So technically, um, ecclesia uh, should be translated congregation because the word is always used collectively, never individually. The church is always a group of people. It is the people of God together who are called from the world and to God and consequently to each other. We're going to talk about that a little bit this morning um, into his eternal kingdom. So that by substance is the church. Um, there is an English, the English word church, like, that, like I said, this one here in Matthew really is the word congregation or gathering uh, collectively, the word church, uh, the Greek word, uh, is actually the word kirekos, which means belonging to the Lord. The word Lord in Greek is kurios, and kirekos means belonging to the Lord. So ecclesia, the collection of God's people, which has been translated here as church, uh, is a root word for other words that you've probably heard. Have you ever heard of ecclesiology? How about ecclesiastical? Ecclesiology is the study of the church. Anything ecclesiastical means of or pertaining to the church. So that's what we're talking about this morning. We are a very, uh, as the people of God, we are a very distinct people. We are separate. Uh, we are in the world. We live in the world, but we're not of it. We're called from the world. But we still live here. But we're distinct because we've been called from the world. It, the church is a bit of a, a, don't misinterpret this, but it's a bit of a, a mystical entity, and yet very real. It is spiritual, deeply spiritual, but it is so practical. And that's who we are this morning, a collection of God's people that he has called from the world and to himself to be part of his kingdom. Isn't that awesome? It's who you are this morning as the church. The church is not this building. We, we have a, we have a, a beautiful structure uh, here today, like a, a building. But th this uh, man-made structure is, is not the church. It's a tool that God has given to us. It's, it's a beautiful place to do ministry, to do what the church is supposed to do. But we, you and I, are the church. Let's look at the structure a little bit. Uh, number two, the words that immediately precede the word church are this. 
Jesus said, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. So let's start from church and work backwards now. You've got the word my. I will build on this rock, and you are Peter. Structure is so important because everything is built on a proper foundation. So, what is the word right before church? My. Before that, I will, and on this, uh, and before that, and on this rock. My, I, and this rock all refer to Jesus. My interpretation of, and you are, and I tell you, you are Peter, The word Peter is Petros. It means a rock. Um, And you are, and and I tell you, you are Petros. And on this rock, on Petra, I do believe Jesus was referring to himself. And on this rock, I will build my church. That is the word Petra. A little bit of reading I did. I did a lot of reading, but W.E. Vine and F.F. Bruce in uh, Vine's Expository Dictionary of the Old and New Testament words, uh, they say this, the distinction between Petra concerning the Lord himself and Petros, the apostle, is very, very clear. You see, Petra refers to uh, bedrock. It refers to um, a rock that is large. It's a massive rock. It is one that you cannot move. That's Petra. Anybody heard of that 1980s Christian rock and roll band, Petra? Well, you know, whether you like their music or not, they got one thing right. (laughs) They're singing about Jesus, right? It's Petra. But there's a little bit of a play on words going on here because Jesus asked Peter and his disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter made the declaration, well, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. And And Jesus just flips it around. He says, well, you're Petros. Your name means... And the word Petros means a detached stone or a boulder, a stone that might be thrown or easily moved. And the distinction is crystal clear in Scripture. Petros, Peter, Jesus said, you're Petros. You are a stone, yes, and you will be foundational in the church, yes, but you are a stone or even a boulder that can be easily moved or even picked up and thrown. But Jesus said, I'm, and on this rock, on Petra. I will build my church. On the immovable rock, I will build my church. The reason why I hold to this interpretation is threefold. Um, You have to go to other scripture. You have to see what Paul teaches. We're going to do that in a moment from Romans and Corinthians in particular, who make reference to the Old Testament. But then you have to go to Peter himself. And we're going to look at one of the metaphors for the church this morning, which is a building. And Peter himself, in 1 Peter 2, declares Jesus Christ, this Petra, and himself a rock. And us, stones. Very interesting. And that word stones is very, very different. We'll get to that in a minute. This is so cool. But I want to start with the media context and why I interpret this this way. Uh, If you go to Matthew 18, just flip over a page... Uh, Jesus talks about um, if a brother or sister sins against you, go show him his fault just between the two of you. 
If you won't listen, take another person along. If that won't work, then take it to the church. And then he said, I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Does that sound familiar? It's exactly what Jesus just finished saying in Matthew 16. Now in Matthew 16, the word you, what you bind on earth, what you loose in heaven is a singular noun. It refers to Peter. Matthew 18, what you bind on earth, what you loose in heaven is a plural noun. It refers to Peter and all of the other disciples. This word Petra, and you are Peter, and on this rock is distinct. It's Petros and it's Petra. It's Peter and it's Jesus. And we need to come to an understanding, this is so foundational, that the rock of the church, the cornerstone, is Jesus Christ. Some would want to make it about Peter or Paul or Mary, but it's not. It's about Jesus. It's what the church is all about. I want to show you what Paul wrote in Romans chapter... Uh, got to go back to these notes here. Romans chapter 9 and 1 Corinthians chapter 10. If you want to flip over there and join me, you're welcome to do that. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Romans chapter 9. Starting at verse 30. So Paul is talking about who are the people of God. His sovereign choice, right? So you've got the people of God in the Old Testament, Israel, and then you've got the people, then you've got the Gentiles who have been grafted in and together they become this different thing called the church. <laughs> and so uh, they're all God's people. And then he says, verse 30, chapter 9, What shall we say then that the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it? a righteousness that is by faith. But Israel, who pursued a law of righteousness, has not attained it. Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, but as if it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. As it is written, See, I lay in Zion a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall, a Petra that makes them fall. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. This is a clear reference to Christ. Those who try to pursue righteousness apart from Christ, those who try to be right with God based on what they do and the laws that they follow will stumble. They'll stumble over this stone called Christ. Christ will not be moved. But those who pursue a righteousness, a right standing with God based on the stone, the rock, if they pursue Christ, they will be found righteous. Amen? Isn't that good news? That's the gospel. Everything that Christ accomplished, when we stand on that, we are right with God. We're right with God. And I don't know where you're at this morning, what you've done this past week or even this morning, you know, if you try to pursue a rightness with God based on your own works, if I only pray more, if I only do this more, if I only serve more, if I only give more, you're going to stumble. But if you call out for mercy on Christ, the cornerstone, you will be saved. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it becomes so much more clear. Um, 
Paul just literally comes out and declares this. This is so cool. Verses uh, 1 through 4. Paul said, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our forefathers, Israel, were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Let's just stop there. Moses in the Old Testament, who is the main leader of the people of God, is very similar to Peter in the New Testament, who was the leader of the people of God at that time. Peter's foundational, don't get me wrong, but he's not the rock. It's not Petra. Let's, let's go on. They all ate, the people of God in the Old Testament, they all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. That rock was Christ. Even back in the Old Testament, because Jesus Christ is who was and is and is to come, he's always existed, that rock from which the people of God drank from in the desert was Jesus Christ. And he continues to be that rock from whom we drink, from whom our food comes. He is the bread of life. He's the living water. He's the only one who can save Boy, I wish I could preach all of this Moses and Exodus stuff, but that's another series coming up. It really is. We're going to do that in the summer. Very cool. Okay, so the uh, other 11 apostles, Peter and the other 11 apostles are foundational. We're going to see that particularly in Ephesians and in Revelation, but they are not the cornerstone. They are not Jesus Christ. Okay, number three. So important to understand this stuff. Because if we don't place Christ where he belongs, we will go wrong. We'll go sideways in a hurry. Number three, strategy. Between the words I and my, I will build my church, is that word, build. This means it's a process. Like, I don't know, we have a lot of builders in this church. My brother is a builder in Calgary. He's been doing it for almost 30 years. And, uh, and I, I tell you, if you've ever been through a building program, you know that uh, a house or a barn or even a garage or whatever does not come up overnight. <laughs> it is a process of planning and saving and getting permits and drafting this plan and redrafting and resubmitting. And then finally the building starts after the foundation is laid. It is a process. And you know what? It continues, Jesus said, I will build my church. I, I want to take you to one of the most exciting verses for me. And, uh, I mean, there's so many, but a very exciting verse for me in Scripture, and that is Acts chapter 1, verse 1. It doesn't sound that exciting on the surface, but it really is. Acts 1, verse 1, Luke's, Luke wrote this. In my former book, Theophilus, in my former book, the Gospel of Luke, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through his Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Luke said that I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. You see, when Jesus was revealed, when God revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ, it was the beginning of something brand new. The beginning of this thing we call the church. The establishment of a new covenant. But that was just the beginning. Jesus only walked this earth for a short time and he died for our sin. He was resurrected. He was sended back to heaven, which happened just eight verses later. 
And that, what he, what, he began, what he did on earth with these 12 and those who followed him was just the beginning. And Jesus is now continuing to build his church and he's doing it through every disciple, every follower of Jesus Christ by the power of his Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ, he left bodily, but he's still here. He said, it's okay that I go away. In fact, it's to your benefit because when I go back to the Father, I'm going to send my spirit whom the Bible refers to in Galatians and other places is the spirit of Jesus Christ. And so if you're a believer this morning, which most of us are, I would assume, we are the church and Jesus Christ is here. Amen? He's here. And he is continuing to build his church through you and through me. That's exciting. That's the strategy of the church. It's what God is using. This is his plan A right here. See you and me. As imperfect as we are, as squabbly as we can get with bickering and fighting, and, and we're going to get to some of that too. I, like, I, I'm not going to hold back you guys. Like This is reality. We're, the church is, is not perfect here. But Christ is perfect, and that's why we need to stand on him in this building program, Right? Uh, Craig Van Gelder in, the, uh, book, in his book called The Essence of the Church said, the condition of being in fellowship is something God does, not something we bring about. God through his spirit has created this communion of the saints. It is not an organized program. It is not a managed technique. It is not a personal choice. It is not an option. Being in fellowship means that the church by nature exists as a spiritual and social community. The very existence of the church demonstrates to the world the truthfulness of the gospel of grace, forgiveness, and reconciliation. I love that. love that. Let's talk at number four about the security of the church. What comes after the word church? Now we're going to go in the opposite direction. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will build my church. It's a promise. I will. And what Jesus promises, he will fulfill. And he said he would build it. He said the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And we can count on that. I did a Google search the last couple of weeks for the most winningest. It's actually... Not a very good phrase, but it, it actually works. It's there. The most winningest <laughs> team, professional team in, in sports history. Team, not individual sport, because remember, church isn't individual. It's a, it's, a, it's a team. We're in this together. Who do you think the most winningest team is? And don't say the Seattle Seahawks. I don't have no idea where they're at right now. Don't want to know. Please don't say. Uh, last week, they squeaked it out against Minnesota. They should not have won. Carolina Panthers today. I don't know. See what happens. It's not Seattle. Who is it? No, no, no. Not even in Canada. It is the New Zealand All Blacks. Professional rugby team that have a long history, 100 plus years history. They have a 77% win record in over a century. Against Canada... 100%, by the way, uh, <laughs> and a whole bunch of other countries. Uh, uh, they struggle a little bit in their own area with Australia and some European, uh, actually some African teams. But 
you know what, overall 77%. If you go to www.team.allblacks.com, these, these guys are amazing. And they proudly proclaim themselves as a family. You go to their fan zone, and right there it says they have three banners. The first one says, we belong. In the middle, I belong. On the outside, we belong. When you're an all-backs fan, you become part of the family, and you are committed. Friends, the all-blacks don't come close. They don't even touch the church. Amen. We have a 2,000-plus year history with a 100% win record. Woo! Something to celebrate. It will not fail. It's a guaranteed winner. That's what Jesus said. 100% win record, and it's going to stay that way. Do you belong to the family? Are you part of the team? This morning, if you're not, I'm calling you to join the team, first of all, by putting your faith in Christ, but secondly, committing to and to be baptized, which is a follow-up. We looked at that uh, last week, I do believe. Uh, to be baptized, confess Christ. Be baptized upon the confession of your faith and join this thing called the church, not just universal but local, in ministry partnership and what we're doing here at Central Community Church as well. We're just a small part of the whole body. I'm calling you to join. Talk about that at the end. Let's quickly look at the uh, mission of the church. Uh, what does the church do? We're going to look at four metaphors. We're going to have to really cruise through this here. But the first metaphor is um, that of a house or a building. And underneath we've got all kinds of sub-metaphors. Uh, a temple, uh, a family, uh, a household, God's people, it's all, I put it all under the umbrella of the church being God's house, God's building. It has a lot of implications for us, for the church. But, but before we explain a lot of these metaphors, the scriptures you see, I can't read them all, I've listed them there, but you can also get them on our website if you download the notes for life groups and all of that, it's there. So you can study it on your own or together in a life group. And all the sub-metaphors that go with it, this is a major, major metaphor of the church in Scripture. We find it, in, interestingly enough, in Peter. I'm going to read that passage for sure. But Corinthians talks about the church being a building, and then it transitions to a temple. Second Corinthians talks about the church being a temple, transitioning to a family. First Peter 4, later on, talks about the church being the family of God. Ephesians, Paul talks about us being adopted into God's household, being adopted as family. We're family. God chose us. We're his children. Galatians 6, a family. 1 Timothy 4, we're God's household and a family. Hebrews 3, we are God's house. Even in, the, even in Matthew chapter 12, before his declaration of the church, he said, you know, who are my brother and my sisters and my mother? The one who do the will of my father are my brother, my sister, my mother. Jesus said, you're family if you do my will. If you follow me, you're family. Love it. And you know what? As, a, uh, as the church, um, back to Matthew 16 for a minute, our text for today, 
Um, the, the main mission of the church is this whole thing about binding and loosing. That means that, I can't explain it all this morning, not enough time, but we have great authority as Christ's representatives in this world. Jesus Christ living in us by his spirit has given us great authority, but you know what? There's no authority alone. Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, or more, and they agree, I will do what they ask. It's powerful. And you know what? The main ministry of the church is, if you trace it all the way back to Matthew 6, where it talks about agreeing, it's agreeing in prayer. The main ministry of the church is to seek God and to praise God and reflect the glory of God and to, and to seek the will of God and then to do that in the world. It starts with prayer and it starts with forgiveness. It starts with helping people who are sinful human beings. That includes you and me, all of us, come to a full understanding of our forgiveness and what we have in Christ. It's the main mission of the church. It's a beautiful thing. But we need to agree. So it's so important that the church is unified as Paul just implores in Ephesians 4 to, to maintain the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace and to live out our calling. What, what our adoption into the family means that we have a job to do and we need to do it in a unified manner. Amen? Boy, that's a, that's a whole sermon in itself, but a, a building. We have to at least read Peter. Jesus is the one who declares this to Peter. So what does Peter say? First Peter 2. Uh, I'll start at uh, verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone, capital S, as you come to Christ, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you also like living stones. See, we're stones as well. We're not Petros. This word stones is the word lithos. We're like little stones. You've got Petra, Petros, and lithos. They're all distinct. I love it. You also, you, me, all of us here together this morning are like living stones being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe this stone is precious, that's who Jesus is to us, he's precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone and the stone that causes men to stumble and a rock, a petra, that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you, church, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world, called out of the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Be distinct. Be the people of God. The main mission of the church is to declare the praises of him, that precious cornerstone who called you out of darkness into the wonderful light. Amen? Has God called you out of darkness? You've heard a bit of my story. God has called me out of deep darkness, of personal sin and hurt and woundedness. He's called me out of that. 
And he's called me to declare his praises. And it's not just a Sunday morning thing, church. I love the way Pastor Josh leads us in praise as a collective group of God's people. I love the energy. I love the expression. And we ought to carry that with us out those doors for the next six days of the week. Amen? That people might be included, see this and be included in the church. It's awesome. We've uh, so many implications uh, being part of God's family, his people. What, what do families do? Whether we get along or not, uh, we reconcile. We, we should. We learn how to uh, dwell in unity despite our diversity. We eat together. We have intimate fellowship and relationship together. These passages all says that we do ministry together. We're all ministers. Pastor Matt is not the minister of this church. Neither am I or Josh or Chris or John or Gary. We are ministers together with you. We've been called pastors because we have different level of responsibility, I guess you could say, or authority in the church. We have different gifts. My gift might be teaching or leadership. Yours might be leadership and teaching. It might be mercy or hospitality or giving or whatever, but together we are all priests and priestesses ministering in the house of God. Amen? That's who we are. We all have a job to do, just like a family. You know, somebody takes out the garbage, somebody washes the dishes, somebody makes the meal, somebody cleans the floors. We all have a job to do, and we're in it together. Another metaphor is a flock. I love this one. Again, don't have time to read all the scriptures, the scriptures but you see, I grew up on the prairies where we, we, I didn't tend to flock. I don't, know, I don't know how many flock. There's a few flocks around here. You go down Prest Road, there's sheep and whatnot, but most of us are familiar with cows and steers and bulls and that kind of thing. It's a herd. It's the same thing. It's very organic. It's very earthy. Um, Jesus said that he was the gate for the sheep. He's the good sh- shepherd. I know my sheep and they know my voice. He protects them. First uh, Peter says that, that we, to the elders, they are to shepherd the flock of God that he's put under their care. So you've got the chief shepherd, you've got shepherds in the church, and you have the flock. And it's in Acts as well. The implications are, again, significant for all of us. That means we ought to care for one another. We ought to tend for one another, bind up the injured, search for the strays. People that go lost, we've got to look for them. We protect one another. We disciple each other. That means we feed and we teach. And you know what? It's all very organic and very messy and very stinky. Amen? It is. I don't know of a farm around that smells good. And it ought to, and it ought to stay that way. My dad, whenever we passed a particularly stinky farm, he'd roll down his window. He'd He'd put his head out the window and he'd go, oh, that smells good. Because that's the smell of money right there. That's the church. The church. It is. It's a stinky, messy, hard working environment that is so rich and so valuable to the kingdom of God. And you know what? Somebody wrote a book one time It's on pastoral leadership, and it's called Sheep Bite. (laughs) Love that. So what do you do as a shepherd when the sheep bite? But, you know, shepherds aren't perfect either. Sometimes they take their crook and they use it the wrong way. Instead of rescuing, they'll hit people, and that's a no-no. 
So again, on the flock, it's messy, and we need to learn how to make each other productive for the kingdom of God. Last metaphor is the bride. We talk about the bride of Christ. This has such significant implication. Again, I wish I could read all these scriptures, but I do want to go to Revelation. Ephesians talks about us being a bride. It talks about marriage. And you know what? Paul wasn't talking just about marriage. He said, this is a mystery, but I'm, that's why I say the church is a bit of a mystical entity. Marriage is a mystery, how two become one flesh. But in marriage, Paul said, you know what, I'm not talking when he talks about love and submission and respect and all of those things, headship. He said, this is a mystery. I am really talking about the church. And so the implications of us being the bride of Christ are significant. A deep love and intimacy with one another and with our Savior. Being prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Let's go to Revelation and end our sermon here this morning. Revelation 19, verses 7 through 9. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. (laughs) That's where it starts. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride, the church, has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. Then the angel said to me, Right, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. Are you ready? Are you preparing yourself as a beautiful bride? Christ, the bridegroom. Are you invited to the supper? If not this morning, I want to give you an invitation. Trust Christ. Put your faith in him. And you will become part of the church and you will be ready for that day when there is a wedding supper of the Lamb. The other implication is who are you inviting? How are you living as a radiant church, pure, so that others might want to follow in Revelation 21, verses 1 through 11, I'm just going to read a, first, a couple of verses. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And in verse 9, one of the angels, one of the seven angels said, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. Do you view yourself as a beautiful bride, the wife of the Lamb? You know, when I was preparing this, I my mind immediately went back to April 19th, 2014, not that long ago, when my daughter prepared herself as a beautiful bride for her husband. I cannot match that day what it felt like as a father of an only daughter. The hours and the hours and the hours and the money, and the money, and the money. (laughs) Her and Lucas did really well with the budget. I cannot complain. Shopping, reserving, booking, planning, inviting. And the morning of, it it was just like I was living a dream. 
as the bride was preparing herself to go down that aisle. And her attendants were with her and the person doing the hair showed up and the makeup and Marcy was involved and and the dress went on and and I'm in the background wandering around the house just not knowing what to do, just watching it all. And then to walk her down that aisle to be able to hand her off to her husband to worship together and then the banquet what a celebration the food was good the wine was flowing people were laughing and just being a family together it was beautiful are you ready bride have you been invited Are you on the guest list? Are you preparing yourself? Whom are you inviting? Um, Last Tuesday, real quick, Marcy and I went out for an early morning walk, and it was was when we still had the ice and the snow on the ground, and it was below zero, and uh, I was being very careful not to fall. Walking along, there's a lot of ice on the sidewalk, and Marcy all of a sudden said, oh, it's so pretty. And I went, What? What are you talking about? I kept trying not to hurt myself here. And then I looked up. And at 6 o'clock in the morning, the snow was gently falling and it was glistening. And it was beautiful. And I had my head down. And you know what Jesus said? Say ye not, there are yet four months and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes. And look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. That is the first thought that came into my mind as we walked. And that's what the bride prepares herself for, is to look unto the harvest and to invite others to join at the banquet table. Amen? We don't have to worry about falling and slipping because Christ has it under control. The church will not fail. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. We need to get on board with what Christ is doing as a chosen people, to declare his praises, to to do what Jesus said, to make disciples, to baptize, and to teach everything that he has commanded. And he said, surely always I'm with you to the end of the age. Will you get on board? Will you join the family? Will you be part of this cause called the church? I'm going to call Josh back and the team. Thank you guys for being here to be part of, uh, to, to lead us in worship again. But this month, All of January really is our process of baptism and ministry partnership that we call normally Central 101. If you listen to all five sermons, whether uh, uh, being present or online, and then you pick up a form that we have at our uh, welcome table, or you can find it uh, uh, online and fill it out online and submit it online, and you, and you uh, listen to all five sermons, this is the class. You are now ready uh, to be baptized and or to become a ministry partner here at Central. That's happening on February 7th. And we'll meet with you one-on-one, but this is the class. I, enjoy, I, I urge you, implore you to get on board with what God is doing around the world and here at Central. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your word to us this morning. And I thank you that you are the cornerstone. You are precious. 
You are the Lamb who was slain. You alone are worthy. You have all authority and power and dominion and glory and majesty all go to you, Lord, because of what you did at the cross. And we're your people. So help us, Lord, to be the church that you intended. Empower and equip us for your glory so that more people can be added to your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and worship.